Welcome to Hope in Halls, Christian Voices from Washington, D.C. Sponsored by Hope to the Hill. Also sponsored by Can We Pray? With your hosts Nathan and Amber Kislak. Learn more about Hope to the Hill at www.hopetothehill.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hope in the Halls with Amber Kistler here. And Nathan, I'm here. At, we're here another week. and uh, Another week. About to get on a cruise ship yeah. here with uh, the Gaithers this week. So That's it's right. looking forward to that. Uh, but this week we have somebody very, very special, a dear friend of ours. Speaking of the Gaithers, uh, y'all <laughs> will know uh, this family very, very well. The Isaacs, Miss Lily Isaacs. And uh, not only are they some of the most gifted musicians and singers oh, on are. the planet, uh, but they are also some of the sweetest, most precious people uh, that we we know. And so we're, we're very grateful uh, to have them. Obviously, again, amazing singers, but they have an, an amazing story as well, their family. And we felt like this week it was important to uh, to invite Miss Lily on to talk a bit about this. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now. The Middle East is on fire. Uh, and there are people taking to the streets all over this country, but just in the last few days in the, the city that we serve in, in Washington, yeah. D.C., defacing uh, historical monuments and pushing against the gates of the White House, talking uh, talking putting, about a specific issue that is... They're putting Palestinian on. head wraps on our forefathers. Yeah, they are. And so uh, anti-Semitism is, is on the rise. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting moment here in American history. So we want to talk a little bit about that tonight. But uh, without further ado, welcome, Miss Lily. How are you this evening? Thank you, Nathan and Amber. I, I'm fine. I appreciate you having me, and we love you equally as much as you love us. Well, y'all are so gracious. And uh, uh, Lily, I, I'd love to start, you know, maybe just share a little bit of, of your family's story. I know uh, I, I've heard bits and pieces of it over the years, but I would love for you to share maybe a little bit of your history uh, with uh, your family, what they went through during the Holocaust, and then uh, we can kind of go from there. Okay. Well, uh, my mother and father were both born and uh, grew up in a little town called Częstochow, Poland. Mm. Uh, they didn't know each other at the time. It was a small agricultural town. Um, they were just minding their own business, living their lives with their families at home. And on September 1st, 1939, is when the Nazis invaded Poland. Mm -hmm. So, of course, uh, they... Nazi army had a lot of these big trucks that would go into these small towns or big towns, whatever. And and my father would often tell us, you know, how it happened that he was at home with his parents and his five siblings. And all of a sudden you hear these soldiers on these big megaphones yelling out, everyone out of your homes, out of your homes, come out of your houses, on the street, everybody on the street. And they started walking door to door and knocking the doors down and made everybody get out on the streets. So my father and his family, they all walked out on the street and he lost track of his parents and some of his siblings, but his one brother was side by side with him. Mm -hmm. And then the soldiers made them lie down on the ground with their face to the ground and their hands behind their head for hours, hours, mm -hmm. just lay there. Wow. Wow. And eventually they'd walk through the crowd and they would send one here, one there, one here, one there, get on different buses and trucks and uh, eventually trains, and they were all sent to concentration camps. Mm. That was the last time my father saw his parents or any of his siblings except the one brother that was with him. 
and he only had one brother surviving the war. My father was taken to um, Buchenwald concentration camp in Germany. Mm. It was a three-day ride by train. No food, no water, no toilet facilities, no just mm. standing with shoulder to shoulder like sardines, people just shipping them like they were cattle. Wow. My mother, the same type of story. She was at home with her mother and father and her sister and her brother and two sisters and a brother. And again, when they went out on the street, her one sister was with her, but she never saw her mother and her other brother and sister ever again. Mm. Never knew what happened to them, but... Um, she was taken to a camp called uh, Bergen-Belsen, also in Germany. Mm. Yes. So a lot of the Jews were taken mostly to, they went, first they went into Poland in some kind of restricted camps they had, but they eventually had taken trains and put them all in the into the state of Germany. I guess that way they were contained in one place. And that's when, you know, they were all in these concentration camps. Uh, many, many stories that my parents told me about surviving you know, on a, a piece of bread a day with a, maybe a bowl of water. Wow. And they were made to do jobs. My father had a job that he had to carry bricks up a ladder and he'd come back down and take another brick and take it back up and just something to do. They yeah. all just gave him stuff to do. But on a starvation diet, nobody had any strength. Yeah. Right. And, right. you know, they became skin and bone, but they still had to work or they were killed right away. But yeah. My father was walking up the ladder one day, and I'm just reminiscing what a few stories he told me, and he stopped for just a minute to get a breath, and a soldier saw him stopping, and he took the brick out of his hand and hit him in the head with it. Oh my. my father fell to the ground and just bled out, and but I don't know how he got up. He lived through it. Wow. Um, and so my parents, most of my young life, uh, you know, they told me a lot of those stories, and my wow. brother and I would ask. But anyway, the war finally, when it, uh, the war was over in 1945, um, and the American soldiers, God bless them, and the, our British allies are the ones that freed many yes. of the camps. And so my mother, all of my life, she'd say, when those American soldiers busted through those gates, they looked like angels from heaven. Mm. And she's always said, always said that. But anyway, um, and they wound up in, they were still in Germany. And when they were released, they went to a French army relief camp in Munich, Germany. That's where they were. Mm. And uh, they didn't know each other yet, uh, but they met in that French army relief camp, I think because they were from the same hometown, they kind of had something in common. And a lot of organizations worldwide came into Germany, like Red, Red, Red Cross, right. United Jewish Appeal, B'nai B'rith, and they helped a lot of these survivors find their families. Because of yes. course, remember, there was no internet then. Yeah. You know, you didn't have a phone to call no and say Facebook. I'm alive. And yeah. <laughs> nothing, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? But a lot of these volunteers would come in and they'd nurse the people back to health that were sick and they tried looking for family and trying to re reunite people yeah um, that's mostly the way they found out who was alive and who wasn't <laughs> but um, in those days uh, my parents were married in a French army relief camp mm. and then two years later I was I was born there in Germany wow. and we stayed there another two years uh, in those days if you wanted to go to another country you had to have a sponsor. You had to have right. someone send for you and help you. So my mother had an uncle that was in America. He didn't go through the war. And he had sent for my mother and my father and me to come to the States. Hmm. So we got on a ship. I don't remember it. I was too young. But, of course, we heard a lot of stories. But uh, we landed in New York City. Hmm. Uh, 
past Ellis Island and uh, landed there at the harbor and uh, got off that ship and started life anew in America. My uncle taught my father how to be a bread baker. My parents went to night school to learn English. Wow. And when I was when I was nine years old, my parents and I became American citizens together hmm. at Ellis Island. And I remember that really well. That's um, amazing. But America gave us a chance at life. And um, only later on in life did we find out what happened to some of my parents, relatives, and how they died by word of mouth and maybe neighbors that saw things or this, that, and the other. But, you know, it was tragedy that six million Jews were killed like that. It just it just hurts my heart for no reason, no reason at all. Well, well just mine, hatred. Yeah, I agree. And mine, mine too, you know, I've spent, obviously, you know, the last uh, 14 years in D.C., and I've walked through the uh, Holocaust Museum many, many, yeah. many times, obviously, when we have people that come to visit Washington, that's always a place that they want to go. And we and, always want to take them, uh, of course, you know, because yeah. we, we want them to understand history. And, and it's, right. it's very sobering it to is. go there. And, I, and for a long time, you know, after the first four or five times that I had been, I it was so overwhelming that I, I quit going in with people for mm -hmm. some years and... It was just, it, it was always so overwhelming. And, and it was almost like, you know, when you watched the, the Passion of the Christ the first time, I remember yeah. watching that and it was so overwhelming on every, every portion of your senses that yeah. it was hard. But over the years, I, I have to remind myself over and over again by going in there to be reminded of what has happened and that history tends to always repeat itself when, when people uh, don't know it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's right. And so we're living in a moment now of American history where young people, I mean, and it's and it's odd because, you know, Amber and I are in our mid-30s, and there's another generation and, and then another that's then another coming one. up behind that generation as well, both of those. It's very frightening because, you know, I remember when, you know, and I went to Bible college and so did Amber, so we didn't really spend a lot of time in the secular uh, public education system, but a lot of our friends did, and a lot of these young people have been. And to see how social media, how the education system has failed um, th these next generations in their understanding of what has happened and where we are, to see young people in Washington, D.C. this last week acting yeah. like fools, yeah. but also to, to, for them to deny that these things had ever happened and to call for it again is yeah. so absolutely it has to be traumatizing to you to even hear or see those things yeah it is it takes my breath away i feel like my heart's just stopped beating you know it just hurts so bad for what reasons i don't understand yeah i agree go ahead Amber. yeah and i you know i i think a lot of young people like we were talking about the generation after us and then even the one after that generation they get a lot of their information based off of people that they follow on tiktok or social media or celebrities they don't do any of their own research and that was very clearly shown this week there was a news reporter who went out in the middle of those crowds who were you know saying that they were for hamas this week and he was asking them all these questions like well are you for um women covering themselves and only showing their eyes well of course not well that's a requirement to be in hamas are, are you know and he was going through all the requirements it took to be in Hamas, and they had no clue, no clue. Yeah. They're out there screaming 
all these horrendous things and they have no clue what they're even fighting for. And that to me is even scarier because it just means that they're not doing their homework. And, you know, when you and I were growing up, Nathan, we were taught these things and we did our own research. Our parents raised us in such a way and even our generation to do our own research. We went to the Holocaust Museum so that our parents did not want us to forget what happened in history, because like you said, it can repeat itself. Well, and it's posturing. I I think, you know, these young people... So often, uh, you know, they, they want to look like they're fighting for some, you know, whatever that issue is, you know, that, that is popular on social media. And I mean, if you look at, I mean, to me, I, I look at our country now as far as the young, younger generation, and it, it is, it's frightening, but it's, it's frustrating because if you look at, you know, the history of the Roman Empire, I was just, Amber and I were watching a, documentary that hasn't come out yet that uh, that we were a part of a couple of years ago. They were talking about the Roman Empire, and it just reminded me when we were talking about this today, you know, the beginning of the end of the Roman Empire was the fact that the younger generation of Romans, they were being fed and they were being entertained. They were being taken care of and, and being entertained. That was the beginning of the end because they quit paying attention to the things that really mattered and in America today, we are living in a moment where young people are constantly being entertained and relying yeah. on other people for, for their information, but they're also being fed in the sense of, and they're living off of, you know, the government, they want the government to, to do everything for them. And we find ourselves at a very, very precarious place in this culture, in this time. And oh, to hear stories like yours and so many others who have lived through this and have family members who lived through this and also have family members that didn't make it through this. Right. Um, Right. What do you think your parents would say if they were alive today, Lily? What do you think? I'm I'm so glad they don't see this. I know. (laughs) I mean, it would have really frozen. You you want to talk about PTSD. Exactly. That's what that, that's That's real PTSD. That's real PTSD. I mean, and I can't imagine, and you guys are so vocal, you know, about what your, your heritage and your history is. And I know right. it has to frighten you, but you know, the Lord well, is protecting I know, yeah. you. It does frighten me because I can't believe the world would, you know, be this way. And I couldn't, can't believe it just seems, it just seems like a bad dream. You know, I, don't, I know. just don't understand it, but I have family that lives in Israel. Yep. My mother's sister settled in Israel, so I have cousins that live there. Now, is, and, that the, is that the one you tell the story about with your mom grabbing her? Is that that no, sister? No, that's not, no, not her, another sister. Okay. Her older sister, yeah. But but my, mo- my mother's sister that she went to with that story that I tell, she settled in Germany. Okay. Yeah, and tell, oh, me, tell me that story. I want them to hear this story. It's so incredible. Uh-huh. Well, uh the people were made to come out of their housing, whatever it was, barns, wherever they slept to get in line for food every day. And my mother was in line with her sisters, Lata, and her friend, Sabrina. They made a friend there. And they were in line, and they had to wait forever, you know, just to get to the front of line to get a piece of bread. That's all they got all day. So they waited in line, and then the soldiers started coming. They had two lines going. So the soldiers were walking through there just checking everything, and one of the soldiers grabbed my mother by the arm and pulled her over to the other line. Well, my mother didn't want to go, but she knew if she didn't go, they'd shoot her. So my mother's best friend 
Sabrina, who was standing by my mother's sister, grabbed my mother by the arm, and they both grabbed her and pulled her back into the line that she was in. Wow. They could have been shot, like right there on the oh spot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But he just ignored it. He let him go. But later on that night, when they got back to the barracks, they found out the line that the soldier wanted my mother to go into and change went to the gas chamber that night. Wow. And then none of them came back. So mm. my mother's sister and her best friend basically saved my mother's life. Wow. Yep. And isn't it amazing to think about how God protected your mother and your father, and then you were born mm-hmm. and then you got married. Mm-hmm. The Isaacs became the Isaacs. I mean, yeah. just to look at what all God has done through your parents' survival. Mm. Well, their legacy. And their That's legacy. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. too. I mean, I often think about that. You know, we we've often tied this argument uh, to you know the abortion argument uh, over the years. Think of all of the you know the babies that have been aborted in this country over the last fifty years, and and the lives and the things that they could attribute you know and, and add to our culture. I mean, the six million in and then yeah. and then also another five million people. Uh, that that were killed that were not Jewish through that entire ordeal. That's right. But, but six You're million right. Jewish people that were snuffed out from this world. That I mean, but God saw fit, and I, and I can't even imagine how your your father and your mother felt. Uh, I, know, I have Glory Gaither. Oh, I love what she said when she talked about the abortion. She said, "You kill a life cycle because yeah. that baby mm-hmm. could have had a baby. Who would have had a baby? You don't just kill one baby. You kill the yeah. future." of other children as well. And I've never had thought about it in that way. Obviously we think about yeah. the one individual, but you do, I mean, it's a life cycle that yeah, is taken dealing away. With the what ifs, you know, I mean, I've had friends that uh, we have a dear friend, one of our staff, his son uh, is a war hero. He was in one of the, the worst battles in Afghanistan back, uh, you know, I guess it was in 2014. And he was one of three guys that survived out of his entire platoon in this battle. And he's dealt with survivor's guilt all these yeah. years. And I mean, I can't even imagine um, the, the the pain and the difficulty that your parents struggled with, with all their friends and the family members at, and not even just them, but finding out later how y'all yeah. found out how family members have you know passed through that experience. Yeah. To, how did know. they, did they, did you ever see that side of them? Did they ever have to cope with? Well, yeah, I, I mean, can't imagine. my mother... My mother was very vocal about her story. If we'd ask her questions, she would right away you know, answer them and tell us what she knew. And you could tell, you know, it was really with a broken heart that she'd talk about it. And she right. still didn't understand why. My father didn't talk a lot. Mm. He became an alcoholic when I was growing up. And sadly, that's the way he saw her. He drowned his sorrow in drink. Mm. He'd go to work every night as a baker and he'd walk home in the morning drunk from the work, you know, and go to bed. He didn't, he didn't communicate well. I knew he was always in mental pain, but uh, I didn't understand his drinking. But, you know, looking back now, he didn't have any way to pool his sorrow because he lost everybody and never knew, he never knew what happened to them. Right. So all he'd say is they died in the war. He had one living brother that I knew about when I was growing up and he moved to Australia when they had a chance to go somewhere because he married a girl whose family was in Australia. Mm -hmm. So they went that way. My parents came to America. So again, we never knew what happened to his family and he never did either. Right. I lost my father in 1979. He was Mm -hmm. 69 years old at the time. He was young. But I think a lot of it, he was young, but he had kidney failure and I'm, 
I'm sure it was because of all of his drinking in his life. But again, you know, I don't know. He probably needed a lot of help and counseling and whatever. But, and, you know, it, elder people, they didn't do that stuff. And he just drowned his sorrows and drink. But we found out what happened to his family when we went to Yad Vashem, hmm. the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, yes. about five years ago. One of our trips, I made a connection there at Yad Vashem with a wonderful lady when I emailed her. And when we got there, I met up with her and I brought documents with me this time of my mother and father, what I could find, their release paper from camps, their marriage certificate, and just certain things that I knew that they would need to see. And I asked her, I said, if there's anything you can find out about my mother or father's family, please let me know. Just email me, and we made a great connection. A month after I got home, I started receiving documents via email. Wow. I had to get them translated because they were in Germany, German. But we found out what happened to my father's family. So when he and his brother were taken out on the street, somehow his parents and his other siblings went to Treblinka concentration camp in Poland. Oh, my and goodness. Treblinka had the largest amount of gas chambers of any camp in Poland. Wow. So they were immediately gassed and burned to ash. <sighs> and that was reported on that. And so you never knew what happened to them, but they were all killed by his one brother. Wow. So he died not knowing, but I grieved my family. Yes. And I couldn't I believe it. Yeah. We found that out in 2018. Wow. We didn't know. I didn't know. Well, and speaking of so, that, too, I think uh, uh, I've obviously I've been in the Holy Land. We've crossed paths in the Holy Land a few times yeah. now. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and I, I, if, if you've never been to the Holy Land, I know you guys go, and I don't know what that's going to look like over the, the coming months and <sighs> year with yeah. the, the war. But if you ever get a chance to go with the Isaacs, it is a an incredible oh experience and and y'all do such a great job and you have i mean even you you're uh, uh um you you've given money in all kinds of things y'all raise money yes. through your foundation and uh well, what a what a well, you, beautiful are you thing. doing you're, have you already done it or maybe you are doing i saw that you're raising money now yeah um, we did we we had a private concert and invited some friends in nashville to come good. and we did an online they can go to our Facebook if they want to watch it, awesome. theisaacs.com, or they could go to uh, Isaac's Facebook and or YouTube. Yeah. And we had about a two-and-a-half-hour concert. We raised, I think we raised $300,000 wow. that night, that wow. night. That's amazing. And so we're all about the humanitarian needs of all of Israel, including the innocent Palestinians that got caught in the crossfire. Right. It wasn't their fault, you know? And I mean, you know, you know, when you go to Israel and we do too, you shop at the stores that are owned yes. by the Palestinians, their restaurants, yep. people cohabitate. Yes. There's no issue. It's the terrorists that yeah. cause this, yeah. right? Not the Palestinian people, you know I mean? It's just like, so it's just, it's the news has it. They don't explain it. You well, know, you're expected all, to I, choose a side in the sense of, you, you yeah, know, but why? <laughs> right, you're expected to if you if you support Israel, you can't support care you can't innocent. care about the innocent children or the innocent families, the Palestinian families, right. and so often you exactly. know you're pushed to one side or the other, and and I right. think you know and obviously some of my dearest friends you know in the world are uh, Arab folks that are either Arab Christian or they they may be some of them are Muslim. They just want to live in peace. They've wanted to live in peace. They live you know on the yeah. Mount of Olives. And I've talked to them many times throughout this experience, and 
they're so sick of, of what is, you know, what has happened and they they just can't even believe it. But, you know, these folks, it it, it is, people have tried to further the, the anger and anguish between these two people groups that in, in a lot of ways in Jerusalem, you live in, in harmony uh, and we That's see right. spurts of that or, or microchasms of it that I think are so beautiful. Uh, and we need to try to shine a light on those stories of people more exactly. and more because it is possible. Um, but I, I had another question. I think, you know, yes. as as somebody that is of Jewish descent and obviously you guys, uh, you, you have a lot of beautiful music you've made and, and so on and so forth. But uh, how do you deal with, and I was trying to figure out in my mind how to phrase this question, but as a Christian and, and someone that is Jewish, how do you deal with the hatred today and, and looking at, I mean, how do you love somebody uh, that that hates you? You know what I mean? You, you have, you've experienced, your family's experienced that most people in America, most Christian people, they think that you know, uh, they, they've experienced some kind of persecution by someone just being kind of, you know, angry with them or, or saying things about them online. We don't really know what that's like to truly be persecuted in this country. And, and so what would you say is, is how do you love people across, you know, that way? I, I, I think people yeah. need to learn to do that better, right? I'm sure. I, I guess I've been sheltered because I've never had anyone come up to my face and say anything derogatory to me or about my people or about anything like that. I never have. Mm-hmm. I hope I never do. Yeah. But I never, I was never a victim of, you know, of that particular prejudice sure. that I knew about, that I knew about, right? Sure. sure. So, but I know there are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of anti-Semitism right now. It's growing by leaps and bounds, which I don't understand. Right. And I, because there's a war in Israel, the Israelis did not start this war. Right. Hello. Yeah. It was Hamas and Hezbollah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And it that's wasn't right. the Palestinians. It was the terrorists. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so pe- innocent people are just being victimized for nothing. But thank God I've never felt that yeah. uh, from anyone. And maybe it's because of the circle of people that I hang out with you know and we are vocal about our story because like you said at the beginning of our conversation our younger people today don't even know what the holocaust means yeah they don't teach in school like they used to no and if you don't know what happened in the past how can you prevent it from happening in the future i agree exactly what you said amber you know so anyway it's a very sad time and i my prayer is that we can come to some type of agreement I, i i grieve in my heart for those poor hostages that were taken that are who knows where in some mm-hmm. tunnel somewhere, you know, and then just the mere fact of all this war going on with people dying needlessly for what reason? Why? It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. the craziest thing. It's crazy. It is. It's. And it's... I think what triggered the anxiety in me was when the news report would say that there were fourteen hundred uh, Jewish <laughs> yeah. people murder and brutalized and babies put in ovens and beheaded and all that crap. And they said that since the Holocaust, that's the most amount of Jews that were killed at one time since the Holocaust. And that triggered something in my heart and in my brain. I grieved yeah. for days. I mean, I just was on the verge of tears all the time. I said, what's going on? Yeah. In this the year 2023, we're dealing with this now? Yeah. It just doesn't seem real. So somehow, some way, I know God will intervene. He, he knows the plan. He knows it all. I don't know why we have to go through this stuff. 
Yeah. But I have to trust God. That's you know, the only well, comfort I have. Chaplain, the Senate chaplain, uh, Chaplain Barry Black, called me last week, and we were. It was right before the new speaker. You know, we were in the middle of all of that, and there was a lot of things going on at that very moment. Yeah. But he, he said to me, he said, "We. This is a moment where, and I." He has a this beautiful, deep voice, and it always sounds a lot better when he says it. But he said, this is a moment when Christians, God's people, need to be praying and fasting like we never have before for the peace of Jerusalem. And yeah. and we, we, people have not been serious about really praying over this because, the, you know, I believe that we're we're living in the last days here uh, and and you know some people may agree with that. And I agree, not. but I agree. <laughs> so it is a bittersweet thing in the sense of you know we do know the end of the story, but you know I, I we pray that that God would would intervene in this moment to to save innocent lives, but also that that we would have more opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Those people, you know, the, the, those terrorists. You know, I kept looking at videos of these guys that they had caught, and as they're sharing what they had done. And it is so hard to look at people mm. like that and go, you know what? God loves that person's soul. He loves them. He died for them too. It is so hard to look at people like that. And and we we have to pray not just for all the people that have been touched, but pray for all of them, that whole environment. And so I, I have really begun to try to just pray and, and, and take time to, to really bathe this in prayer. This moment in history uh, is very telling. And so yes. we, we desperately need the help of the Lord. And uh, Amber and I, every week on the, the podcast, we, we kind of end with, uh, with prayer, just a short prayer. But we, we, we want to pray over this real quick. But we also want to pray over your family because we, we love you all. And we're so grateful you. for your friendship and, and everything that you all mean to so many people. And uh, again, you know, the, the legacy, the, the life cycle that Amber talked about, that Gloria Gaither has, has talked about often, and that life cycle has played out to something so beautiful in the lives of your children and what they, the music they have given, y'all have given the world. Yes, your grandchildren too. And so God <laughs> has you. been so gracious. And uh, yes. what, what an opportunity to show the love of Jesus Christ right now in a time where yeah. it is such a dark, dark world. As Bill Gaither says, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I say that every week. It is, it's a wonderful well, opportunity. I'm ready for, for that bright light. Yes, ma'am. We are too. Well, yeah. let's pray and uh, we'll, we'll let you go. Yes. Father, thank you so much, Lord. What, a, what a, a privilege to have Lily on this week, Father. But uh, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In, in these moments, Father, there are people uh, all over the world that are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. But, Lord, we ask that you would touch the hearts of, of even the terrorists, these these men uh, and, and even women and children that have been sucked into such a dark, dark place to believe that killing innocent people is the only answer. And so, Lord, we know that you died on an old rugged cross for them, too, and that you've died for all of us. And so we ask that you would just touch their hearts and their lives, send uh, away. Maybe, uh, as our pastor prayed earlier this evening, Maybe you will send uh, through one of the hostages that are being held an opportunity for them to share their faith with these folks. And so, Lord, you you are the redeemer of situations. 
So we ask that you would redeem this situation, Father, but we, we thank you for the Isaacs. We pray a blessing upon them and, and also favor, uh, not just through their music, but through their lives as they share their stories. And Lily, Father, that uh, you would continue to give a generational blessing upon their family. We thank you for what you've done, Lord. We pray for our country, Lord, for the young people in our country that need you so desperately. And Father, uh, tonight we're burdened over our country and all of the things that we've seen in the last days, but we also are encouraged that you have done things that are so special. We have a speaker that loves you. We have members of Congress that love you, that want to serve you. So we ask, Lord, that you would continue to do a work that only you can do in these days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, Lily. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you, guys. I love you, too. And thank you for having me on your your podcast. It's a joy. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. Well, friends, uh, what what a... Man, that was so special. She's amazing. (laughs) What a story. What a... What a history. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I was literally on the brink of tears just... It almost is almost like you were there when she yeah. was explaining how what happened with her father, her mother. And friends, we, we need to be educated on what has happened in the past. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm overwhelmed uh, really by that story and everything that Lily had to share. We, we live in a dangerous moment here in our world, and uh, we cannot be on the wrong side of history when it comes to this. So we need to be praying for young people, hearts and minds of young people oh, yeah. over this country. They need to be educated. I remember I went to college and there was a guy uh, in my college that was from Germany. Mm. And um, he told us that every year, every year that he was in school over there, wow. they took them to a Holocaust camp to one of the, you know, whether it was Auschwitz or Dachau or, or whatever. But they took them to those camps to remind them yeah. of what had happened so that it doesn't happen again. But that they were, you talk about educated, that they really saw it. And so he always talked about how in, in Germany that was a thing. They, they made all the kids go to the camps, the concentration camps, so that they really understood history, yeah. their history, mm. what their country did. And, um, and so, I mean, I, I just hear in... Lily's family story, her mom and dad, and what all they went through, and the fact that they survived. I mean, um, well, man. it's nothing other than the grace of God and the hand of God. I mean, and that's the thing that's it's almost mind numbing when you try to like rationalize that and thinking if her father or mother had not survived, there would be no Lily, there'd be no Lily, no Isaac. No I mean, I mean, not just the Christian music world, but. I mean, music in general, I mean, they're obviously so gifted and, and we, we love their music, but to think that we would never have known right. anything about that and how God, through his grace and mercy, allowed them to live. But I keep thinking of all those other families. I mean, the the, the potential that was snuffed out by one one man's ability to rally people together for a horrible reason. Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. Which is why it's so scary today is it's still a horrible reason. It all started with a horrible reason and we're still here for a horrible reason, arguing about this, about why Jews should have the right to live. I mean, this is what people are protesting in the streets right now. 
This is, oh, an, it's, it's unbelievable to hear what they are saying out loud. I mean, you know, I guess you talk about anti-Semitism and you know that like racism has always played a part in history, right? Like, right. I mean, everybody talks about racism and, and when it takes place and that, but right now I just, the things that people are saying in these protests scare, I mean, I'm not even Jewish and it scares me to death. I mean, it scares me for them. It scares me as even as a Christian. I mean, because, you know, Hamas, they hate Christians. Well, and, yeah, I mean, it's anybody, you know, at this point that, that is not. Yeah, anybody that's not for them, basically. That is, well, that is not, you know, part of Islam, at least their their sect of Islam. Right. And, you know, I mean, we, there's a long conversation there. I mean, you, you know, between the Shiites and the Sunnis and, and all the things that were going on for the beginning of this war, really why I believe it started. We could have another conversation on that, but um, the, the the bottom line is we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for the, this this world that, that God would just intervene and give us more time because um, we're in a very precarious situation, a very precarious point, and history does have the potential to repeat itself if our young people are not educated properly. Yeah. And it is easy to look at the news, I think, when you see— a hundred thousand people marching on DC in you know, this last week and be very discouraged and be like, Oh my goodness, you know, it's overrun. You know, there are 330 million people in this country. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, a hundred thousand people is a lot of people. I loved the video though. There was one video, I think I sent it to you of the New Yorkers yep. and there was a guy who was going around taking down the posters of the, the people who had been kidnapped in Israel. Um, they were saying that they were lost and, you know, they were, um, missing, and he was taking the posters down, saying that they, that was fake. And this, these New Yorkers came over They're there. Construction workers. They yeah. were construction workers in New York City, and you know, I I think I told you, I said they remember nine eleven and what the terrorist did on nine eleven. They lived through it. Those people in New York lived through it. They know the evil that they saw that day because they lived and survived it. And, and there's something about those New Yorkers that that were there during that time that really remember it, that faced it, they don't forget it. And they know what terrorists do. They know what terror can do if it's allowed over here yeah. because it did come over here for a short amount of time, yeah. but it did a lot of destruction. And we lost a lot of people because yeah. of a terrorist attack that day, several attacks actually. But they, you know, they went and told this guy, you're not going to do this. You know, you're not going to do this at all. You're not going to take these people's posters down just because you find it to be untrue. And it's just, it's, it's heart wrenching to see that kind of stuff. It makes me also have a little bit of hope in humanity that there are people out there who are still going, this is wrong. You're not going to do this. Yeah. And, and so I just, hearing Lily's story today, just really, uh, it, um, it gripped my heart to hear what her her family went through. And I would encourage anybody who's listening, if you have young kids, I don't, I, I mean, if they're at age where they could probably handle it, they need to learn about the Holocaust. Yeah. It's important for them to learn about what happened in history and find out if their schools are teaching it, find out if they're educating them, because if not, then you should, yeah. it's your job as a parent to make sure that your kids are being educated, properly, properly educated, educated yeah. on history. I mean, if, you know, Nathan and I had a, an eight or nine year old, I, or I would probably sit down with them and say, this is what happened. 
And this is why it should not happen again. And you can't let that happen again. You can't hate people in a way that you want them to die because that is pure evil. Well, and, and I think, you know, the redemptive factor through all of this that I, I always have to go back to is, you know, gen, there are generational things that happen all over the world. I mean, you look at in a, when Isaac and uh, Ishmael, you know, I mean, that's this is where this began. You oh, know, yeah. You know, with uh, Abraham, you know, Isaac and Ishmael and two lines of people that from that point on have been at odds with one another. We're seeing the same generational problems that have happened for thousands and thousands of years at this point, or at least thousands of years. And so the redemptive factor is this, that God is still in the saving business. Uh, we've, we've heard, we've seen stories of men who were terrorists, who were ISIS terrorists that got saved. God is still in the saving business. And so what I pray for, I don't pray that God just completely wipes people off the map. No. I pray that God would send someone to to share the good news with these folks. Because, again, like we always say with members of Congress, they're not unreachable. They're not untouchable. It may seem that way, but God is still has the ability to save their soul. And so that's what I pray for, that God would just do, that God would bring revival in that in the Muslim community because God has been doing some incredible things there. And um, what an opportunity for the light of Jesus Christ around the world right now. And so um, we pray for these people. We pray for Israel. And um, grateful for Lily. And we pray for, for Palestine. Yes, we, we pray for the Palestinian people that are going through a tremendous amount as well right now um, that they didn't ask for. And um, it's very sad on, on for all, all the, the victims. Um, it's a very sad time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just grateful for Lily's story. So thank you. That was your idea to, to invite her on. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm really thrilled that uh, she came on. Well, I felt like, you know, you could always have somebody who could sympathize and um, someone who could come on and, and give their version of what they believe is going on. But Lily can empathize. Um, she you know, sure with can. her with yes, her family and what they have been through. And I felt that it was important to have somebody who could really tell it's a secondhand a, account. A secondhand I mean, yeah, account I mean, of what happened to her own family and what it's like now to see that. And that's why I thought, what would her parents do if they were to turn on the news today, if they were alive and turned on the news? I cannot imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like when someone escaped, you know, communism. You know, all those years ago, I've had friends that are um, incredible folks that are that are uh, Romanian, Ukrainian, that escaped communism, that look at our country with fear, literally actual, I mean, real fear. Yeah, and that, they always tell people who want to vote for it, they go, "Trust me." Yeah, you don't. You want don't this. want this. That's right. I. I th- we left it. We yeah, ran right. from it. My first job out of high school was at a, a car dealership in North Carolina called Mitch Foreign Cars. And John Mitch, still alive, he, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. John escaped Romania during you know the time of communism. And he said in 2008, he used to look at me and go, this is my fear is that we left communism and it's coming here. Yeah. And he knew firsthand what that was like. He grew up in it. 
And so we, we can't set aside people like that and say, well, you know, that, that didn't happen or you don't know what you're talking about. These are people that have lived Yeah, we've been so spoiled in America. We have. We've been so spoiled. We don't know what these other countries, like what, what they have had to go through and what it's been like. No. And, you know, and then I have all these people who have these crazy opinions of, you know, what they think they want. They don't understand it until you have really lived it. And you have these other people who have lived it and they're saying... Trust me, you don't want this. This yep. is not this is not what you want. This is why I came here. Yep. Well, again, what a what an opportunity for uh for God to do something special. And um man, we're grateful. Grateful for that story today. Yeah. And uh thank you all for uh hanging with us. And it was a little longer than last week, but uh uh we hope that uh, maybe that you've been encouraged, but that you've been maybe enlightened a bit and reminded of the importance of why history is important. And um, you can follow the podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, you can follow it or subscribe, whatever that. We never can get that right. I don't know what it is. But uh, if you want to find out more about the work that we do, hope to the hill.com. Um, we have a DC trip in January, a lot of other things going on. We're going to be having a ministry support day coming up in the next couple of weeks where we're going to be doing a Facebook live for a large majority of the day, having different members of Congress come on. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to be kind of announcing what that's going to look like and uh, raising support for outreaches for the next year. So we're really excited about what, uh, what will be going on, but um, thank you guys for joining us again. Thank you, honey. What a a great, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Don't forget, you know, I mean, just to leave everybody with an encouraging message. History's darkest day that we've ever had was because a group of people hated a Jewish man. That's a good point. And he was crucified, but three days later, he rose again. And that is why we have hope. The redemptive factor. The redemptive factor in all of this. That's and right. it, it all started because of the hatred towards a Jewish man. Yeah. And... Savior of the world rose again to save us. And so you can smile in spite of the darkness because you have hope. You have hope and you have a promise of eternity. And if you don't know that hope or eternity, I pray that you will research and find it in the word of God. Reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. You can uh, go to any of our Facebook pages and uh, reach out. We want you to, uh, soon don't delay and uh what what a what an opportunity we have yes another opportunity to uh, accept jesus as your personal savior if you're listening to this right now so have a great week everybody we, we love, love you. you all yes see you soon